Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 347 on Tuesday, the 18th of August, 2020. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week we'll be talking about Alan doing real grown-up journalism. We'll also be wondering if we can keep one item in its lane. And we find out how one Hyundai employee was collared. But first, we go to our official proper journalistic reporter, Alan Bradley, to talk us through some follow-up. Which is a change from usual, because normally Andrew goes straight into the first follow-up story. But last week, I said I would get in touch with Renault and just try and find out a little bit more behind their 202% year-on-year increase in July registrations between 2019-2020. So I emailed Alta Somerville and their PR department... So that, that's investigative journalism for you. Uh, and he got back to me super quickly as well. It's a combination of fleet and private mm-hmm. purchases, really. Two new cars have been launched between last year and this year, which have made a significant difference to the number. So there's a new Clio was launched last in October, and uh, the new Capture was launched in February this year, although... Um, you know just before lockdown super strong performance by those compared to last year's models yeah as well as that the Kadjar and the capture are really strong in motability at the minute and there was quite a lot of motability went on highest ever order take on motability for Renault since its introduction to the scheme so there was quite a difference there there were also some fleet purchases for example zoe's by a company called onto who are offering uh car club schemes so there's a bit of that as well zoe sales are up nearly 50 percent across europe certain amount and that's reflected here too so lots and lots of different factors all together plus the whole sort of bit of a bounce back and the filling in for the last few months yeah uh have really meant that there was a particularly strong it just meant that it was it was particularly strong it had been a weak month last year it was a very strong month this year yeah combination of the two he also wanted to point out that it wasn't just renault that group renault had done particularly well and that there were 815 more sandero registers in july 2020 compared to july 2019 and 360 more duster which is not a bad result even on its own uh so that's where it came to that's there was a whole bunch of bunch of bits and pieces uh, and it just all added up yeah no well well done good work there thank you it was a very tough tough email to write that tough email yes to write. but you bothered to find out <laughs> well i said i would i really yeah. should when i do that anyway new news <laughs> new news and we did sort of touch on this topic a few weeks ago when discussing uh, jaguar land rover's quarterly results Uh, And it was the fact that they and Tata Steel, their owner, have been in conversations with the UK government to try and get to see if they were eligible to get uh, the Project Birch bailout uh, money or funding. Um, Those Mm -hmm. discussions have now ended. The The first report of which was that they didn't qualify for taxpayer support. But no details on to why not. However, further suggestions are that um, JLR were asked to speed up the decarbonisation of it, their fleet, and they have apparently not agreed with, or were not willing to do that. So, as we know, companies have such long plans yeah. to implement, particularly particularly something as big a change 
for the company as going electrified that you you can't just flick a switch and change that exactly especially not with someone like jlr because they sell their their product all around the world Mm. and whilst the uk government might want you know decarbonization within a certain you know within certain constraints and and in a certain time scale that may not actually be right and proper for many of jlr's markets no absolutely i I was having a conversation with simon harris on twitter about what what can jaguar do at the minute, what they they need to do something uh, to help for a strategy moving forward. And one of the suggestions I had was to was following on someone else had suggested this was to, for them to go electric. And he said, and he pointed that out. He said, you know, just because Europe and Britain want to do that does not, you know, many other places are not even saying there is no more ICE engines. And JLR's just opened their new ICE engine plant because they stopped working with Ford, didn't they? So they've got their mm-hmm. own state-of-the-art engine let alone plant yeah so this is not not a simple solution other thing is same day that this came out they also well there were two things got got mentioned one of which was the massive new flagship dealership place by (laughs) guy salman which was kind of kind of bad timing on that one but the other announcement which is the one that i want to talk about because everybody else has shared their comments on the, the on the, on the new flagship flagship dealership it was announcing far more investment in hydrogen as well so i mean there is yes. decarbonization going on there there as well so let's not pretend it's a case of folding of arms and going shant yeah um, it's probably far more about uk government expectation versus the realities of of running a, a global manufacturing and, and vehicle sales organization really yeah absolutely completely agree there so they are still in discussion with um or tata uh, is still in discussion with the uk government anyway to see if there is options for financial aid in another form so mm. you know it's it's still ongoing and they're, they're friendly discussions apparently so you know we'll we'll keep an eye on that and, and if, if if changes obviously we will let you guys know yep but first your next actually sorry you need to tell us about um Finland versus Germany. This is really... Okay, this is weird. And it's an article in Bloomberg, and it's titled, Mercedes-Benz may face German sales ban after Nokia wins patent ruling. Now, this is to do with technology, that communications technology that Mercedes-Benz has incorporated or or allegedly incorporated uh, into many of its vehicles to do with mobile telecommunications and and all the kind of stuff that that we expect or it is expected that cars do nowadays. Yeah. You know, data downloads, uh, emergency buttons, all this kind of stuff. Uh, And Nokia, who no longer deal with deal with third parties uh, but deal directly or are trying to deal directly with manufacturers these days and make themselves a tier one uh, supplier is saying that actually some of the technology that daimler is using is theirs yeah and so it, they're, they're pursuing them through the court now some of the tier one uh suppliers don't really like Nokia coming through and trying to muscle in and 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 elbow them out the way to to get direct access to the suppliers. So some of them, including Bosch, funnily enough, and Continental, 
are supporting Daimler in the, this this litigation in the in in this this lawsuit. Nowhere in this does it actually say what the technology is about in detail any more than it's about electronic communications. Yeah, um, unsurprisingly, given this Nokia, I suppose. But yeah, this one seems to be seems to be starting up. the The chances of them actually getting a sales ban are quite slim. Or even asking for it themselves because they they need to stump up a massive amount of cash. Yeah, if it's a sales van, they need to put up seven billion euros. Yeah, to to in a separate proceeding. Because because what they're after is a licensing fee, isn't it? From Mercedes, they're looking to get a fee yeah. per car sold, and Mercedes mm-hmm. are saying no, we're not prepared to do that because yeah. that's too much. And mm-hmm. what what else is? has happened as a result of this is Daimler and these tier one suppliers have gone to the EU and said they are abusing their position in the market. They're the only people who supply this and they are demanding too much money. They're also doing it in America as well to say that they're, uh, mm-hmm. they're being unfair. So this is, this is going to get quite ugly I think it is. I think this is this is one that could start rumbling. It'll again with as with any of these, it'll either be sorted super quickly or it will roll on and on and on. And I think we've seen what happens in German courts over the last five <laughs> years. Is this our fifth year anniversary, by the way? Uh, no, was that last week? September. No. September. That's we, we've thought. passed our fifth year recording anniversary. Ah, okay. Yeah, there is a difference, folks. Yes. People who are right at the beginning will will appreciate that. Yeah. You can hear us now. <laughs> it's, a start, yeah. it's not quite so muffled despite the engine noises coming from outside. Hang on. Right, I'm going to move us on anyway, and this mm. is to do with the new Ford Cougar Fev plug-in hybrid, and that is that there is a temporary suspension on sales, recall has been issued, and owners have been told not to charge until further notice. There is an un well, there's a there's a problem, but it's not clear what the problem is that may cause potential fires potential fires through or to do with the high voltage battery. Something to do with that. There's been four mm-hmm. incidents. Nobody's been hurt, but they need to get it back in and fix whatever the problem is. But we don't know exactly what that is and whether it's just a simple yeah. swap a component and everything's fine or whether it's a bit more than that. Nobody knows Th- That's four out of 27,000 cars. So it's it's still a very small percentage, but it's a relatively speaking quite a high number in these things. And, and you know, it's it's their first new system like this there's going to be a teething trouble or two hopefully they get it sorted i think ford have reacted quite quickly in this instance Mm -hmm. it seemed to be it's not one of those where they've where a company has had to be pressurized by being on watchdog or something like that for things to happen they have well gone quickly at this so Mm -hmm. um that that's good to see and and they're being um, as open and transparent as they can be i suppose at the moment yeah absolutely so everybody raise a glass for the next item. You see, you assigned these, so you can't possibly do that. All right? It's not fair. It's not fair. You know this is not a place of fairness. <laughs> no, exactly. I, alternatively, I could have changed the order. Yes, so this is a story. This isn't actually a Europe story. 
either. This is about this is about Toyota in Japan, the USA, and China, uh, where they'll be uploading certain data to Amazon Web Services, to, which could help, could yes. be used to help, yes, create custom insurance premiums based on driver behavior. And you can decide whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, as is up to you. So it's essentially Toyota um, sort of lifting and shifting and, and and expanding their mobility services platform, which in many in, in cases in the markets I've mentioned comes from vehicles fitted with a data communication module, which means that you can that in the future it could be used to access to uh, to access certain functionality within the car and that could be things like uh, things like drip, like essentially turning on black box features emergency services concierge services over the air vehicle health checks and sort of access through your your car account and stuff yeah and also the sort of fleet managers stuff that they'd like to do to keep track of uh information as well isn't it it's that's that's the some of the offerings that's being suggested could yeah. happen. They're saying that Toyota have been talking about this since at least 2016, but it's never actually been turned into products yet. Uh, but this is a step on the way to that. It's funny actually because I tweeted a very a relatively similar looking graphic just yesterday, yeah. and it was about Toyota's crayon. <laughs> yes. That was service. really interesting. <laughs> service. It actually was. I, I was flicking back through. Uh, I was flicking back through some zip disks. That's how long ago I'd done this research before I even carefully opened the parchment because it's been closed for so long. You know, these things get delicate. (laughs) A zip zip drive over there, yeah. (laughs) And it was because I was looking at the Toyota Econ, which was like a smart style car share thing trial that was done in the late 1990s. And it was a diagram from there. And again, it was, it was relatively similar. It was, it was basically the uploading data into the cloud via mobile data i don't even know if it would have been gprs back then mm. and and yeah being able to share it and, and toyota hosting all that data this is in in many ways an evolution of that so yep so yeah there's fluke that this came up when i'd been talking about it and had discovered some stuff completely by accident this uh, nothing mentioned here this is in the register uh nothing mentioned here about europe so no. i think different data rules i presume are some coming into play a bit there and plus it's only it, it's talking about stuff they they do do in the US, Japan, and China, whereas they don't do any of that mm-hmm. yet in Europe. So, I think it, it, no, there it's is the my way Toyota manufacturers are moving stuff, towards, but... isn't it? They are everyone's moving mm-hmm. to try and do these connected services, and it's all part of that sort of stuff. So many consumers expect them. Uh, that's that's what it's coming down to. I know that you don't. I know that I'm not even too fussed by it, and that's me. And I like my toys. But there are a lot of consumers who are expecting these kind of things. But we'll talk a bit more about that in a couple of stories' time, I think. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm going to talk about motorways because there is uh, an announcement that says some sections of motorway roadworks will have their speed limits altered and can maybe be increased up to 60 mile an hour. But this depends on where it is and infrastructure around the roadwork. So this isn't going to happen if it is a set of cones. This is where there is a if you if you think on the smart motorway upgrades where there is always those massive concrete barriers that you three lanes are pinched between 
<laughs> now and there's lorries yeah. on your inside and you're sort of going, oh, please don't move uh, over anymore. <laughs> I've got nowhere to go. Uh, Those uh, are the ones only that... Only three cool, lanes. That, ...that can... Well, it's before they're actually a smart motorway. <laughs> Yeah. So it's it's bef- so those are the types where there is real sturdy safety um, safety equipment for workers where there are workers because I know that was a comment that was made by many today when I when I mentioned this on Twitter. Mm. But uh, what did happen is that uh, Simon Wickers, who is a road safety consultant, did get back in touch with me because I was curious as to. Why, if 50 mile an hour was because of safety, why 60 mile an hour is okay? And he went on to explain those things. So uh, I'm just, I will have links in the show notes to two of his tweets back to me, but I'll just read out the, these two that are in particular. Uh, and because I asked, well, why, why are they going to look to change the speed limits? And he said um, that the main benefit will be a reduction in close following, particularly by HGVs, which a number of people did mention that lorries are like an inch from your bumper. The lights are full blare, you know, what <laughs> intimidating people. It's so true. I mean, the M1 is one of the, the places where they've been trialing this and where it goes from 60 to 50, then all of a sudden you've got 44 tons of Scania sitting three inches off your back bumper. And it's just like, no, just stop. Yeah. Um, because they, they, he, he did acknowledge that some, risk to road workers can increase and so and that therefore does increase the risk of road traffic collisions uh, with vehicles stopped in live lanes but both can be mitigated um he then because then i was curious as to well what what's the criteria of judging and he said that it's not just determined on the basis of road route road worker risk Narrow lanes, absence of a hard shoulder or emergency areas, reduced barrier setbacks, number and frequency of site entrance exits, reduced sight lines, etc. All are assessed for each individual scheme. So they are looking on a case by case basis. Is it safe for us to increase the speed here or not? And there's a, a there is a long list of things they are checking. I, I was reassured to to see those comments because. As with whenever one of these things is mentioned, you think, "Oh, is this is just going to be a blanket." And are they mm-hmm. are they doing it just to appease a noisy corner and people are going to be put at risk, or is there real reason behind it? And it does look like there's genuine reason behind why they may do it in certain sections. Can I just comment on the very last paragraph of this BBC story here? which says already motorists frequently drive into coned off areas uh, at increased speeds that will make such potentially lethal accidents even more common. So when I was on my way back up the M1 from my holiday, there was, um, and I know because I'd already overtaken her and then she overtook me, there was a little old lady in a, in a small Suzuki in front of me. And approaching the turn off at Northampton, she just indicated and dashed in behind the, con- the, the concrete barrier. And kept oh. on at her fifty miles an hour, up there, and I'm like, I was like, well, that's not the entrance. That you know, that's not the mm-hmm. motorway exit. And she, you know, I kept on going and ended up ahead. And and then she popped out the end of the roadworks behind me. It was surreal, <laughs> very strange. But it happens. Obviously, there was no. I mean, it's just as well there were no holes or anything like that in the in in that last stretch of. Or people of, working. <laughs> Oh, people working because it was concrete barrier. It was a gap in the concrete barrier. Yeah, you know, it, was, it was that, and it was, it was a real oh, oh moment. That quote you did was um, from the Unite Union when the ten mile an hour increase was suggested in twenty seventeen. This was their response at mm-hmm. the time. So uh, I don't, 
I don't necessarily agree that it will make lethal accidents even more mm. common. So that was in a 50 mile an hour zone. I should point that out. Yeah. I think most people just get sick of roadworks full stop and don't think about it. But as, as we discussed on Twitter, if everybody's doing the same speed, it is amazing how well the traffic flows <laughs> compared to when we suddenly go to national speed limit again. And then you've got some playing wacky races, some sticking at that speed you were doing before and everything in between. I actually quite like average speed cameras through roadworks. I know that that makes me a freak and an outlier, but I actually think that overall, um, and and I said on on Twitter earlier on that the, the that that set of the never ending roadworks twenty two miles or something of roadworks on the M one, it's boring as heck, but it has actually been quite well managed and they're very good at they move where the speed limits change depending on where they're if where they're still working yeah. and all these kind of things and and I think that the traffic flows much faster. I'm going to pimp that traffic book again that i pimped last week um by tom vanderbilt it's really interesting and it explains some of why some of this stuff is the way it is or should be the way it is mm -hmm. sorry enough I, i'm not sponsored by them i promise no we wish <laughs> um, but, but use but 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 use the affiliate link please yes <laughs> <laughs> absolutely right talk us through a new government consultation Ooh, yes so a new government consultation uh, uh launched to today as we record 18th of yep. august and it closes on the 27th of october and it's they're seeking views the government is seeking views on the safe use of automated lane keeping system so uh, just quickly uh, an alks or an automated lane keeping system uh, is vehicle technology designed to control the lateral, left and right, and longitudinal, forward and back, movement for the vehicle for an extended period without further driver command. During such times, the system is in primary control of the vehicle and performs the driving task instead of the driver at low speeds on motorways. That's the definition that they're giving. Which is quite interesting, because... It's a much closer definition to self-driving than any manufacturer has given so far, I would say. Yeah. And, uh, when, and you'll um, also notice that it's, that it's on motorways and therefore geofenced. And when they theory. say slow speeds, they are talking up to 70 mile an hour. No, it's potentially up to 70, but actually what they're saying, I can't remember what the initial... Uh, to begin with, it isn't up to 70. It isn't 70 miles an hour. That's not the number they've got. They're saying it says in the article, it says in the article that the call for evidence, because this is what part of the consultation is about, also seeks views on government. So this is the yeah, idea. There's not, a second part yeah. which says, what if it was up to 70 miles an hour? Yeah. So, so initially, it's not up to 70 miles an hour. There's two parts. So this is basically staying in one lane when it's slow moving traffic. It's one lane. And the curious bit about this is that the it's one lane. With the vehicle in control, so it's eyes off and hands off. Yes. As well. I'm trying not to mention levels. The driver has to be ready to take over at any time. Yeah, there's a 10-second takeover. Oh, my God. Window, <clears throat> which is awfully long. No, it's awfully short. The ARKS regulation allows the driver to respond to a transition demand up to 10 seconds after notification. But if you start thinking, well, I have an electric vehicle from a brand and it already does this, 
what I want to do is read out, and you won't believe it, uh, paragraph 323, which is the first paragraph in responding to an enforcement vehicle. Uh, and it says, vehicle, a vehicle is ALKS capable. It is proceeding along in its lane in traffic. The automated mode is engaged, so the driver is not paying attention to the environment outside the vehicle. A police officer in a nearby vehicle has noticed that vehicle A has a faulty brake light. The police officer pulls in behind vehicle A and switches on his flashing blue lights. It says rule 106, the highway code says following on drivers respond to a police officer. Essentially, it has to be able to recognize one of the requirements. And there's a whole, there's a whole annex of the requirements of what it must do. And what it, there's two annexes, one of what it must do and one of what it must not do as well. It's actually quite a nicely written requirements document. This, um, is basically it's got to be able to recognize flashing blue lights headlights or 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 the sounding of a siren or horn uh, normally from behind uh, and it must be able to in to nudge the driver into complying with this um and i don't i don't believe that there's any vehicle out there that can do that uh, not even if it's got full etc cetera, etc cetera, version of its ability to steer itself. Full unicorn setting. Full unicorn setting. Not even if it's got got full unicorn setting. So what I'm trying to say is they're definitely not calling this self-driving. No. But it is... They are very clear people automated, not autonomous. Yes, it's it's quite well written, actually. And it's quite interesting. And I would, if you've got even the slightest interest in this, it's like 54 page, 46 pages from cover to end of Appendix C. You can scan through it. It's really quite interesting. Um, it is really quite interesting. And it, it's, if you've got feedback, there are set questions uh, on the way through. There's a summary at the end, uh, but it, it's well worth a read. Yep. Well worth a read. Link in the show notes as ever to mm. the main article on the .gov site. Mm. That is a, definitely our nerdiest article of the week, I'd say. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think so. Well, that's about uh, the end of the first part. That's right. And it, that means it's Guilt Minute, uh, that point in the show where I realize I haven't rewritten the speech for Guilt Minute yet. Uh, and I remind you to think about and consider what the Motoring Podcast is worth for you. If you feel it's worth a small amount of your hard-earned cash, then please head to motoringpodcast.com and click on the orange Become a Patron button there on the front page. If you're already a patron, then you rock. And thank you very, very much. Uh, we understand that, especially at the moment, uh, people aren't necessarily able to do this, so please don't forget to like, rate, and leave feedback via the podcast player of your choice. Uh, if you've done all that, then you really are wonderful. Um, things like, honestly, things like affiliate links and things also make a difference and cost a tiny little one-off amount uh, uh, as well. Well, you, you get a book for it, for example, um, without paying anything extra. Mm-hmm. If you've done all that, then why not consider telling a friend all about us who you think would in, in, enjoy our mix of chat and hopefully informative stuff and show them how to subscribe uh, to the podcast if for some reason you don't subscribe then you can subscribe for free it should cost you absolutely nothing to subscribe to us to make sure we come to you without the anxiety and worry that you might miss on the next amazing informative new show so might have been a bit of hyperbole in there this week i'm afraid well 
and why you shouldn't write make it up as you go along <laughs> that's the thing that's the important lesson we've learned in nearly five mm. years <laughs> yes right formula e come on round us round us out of the season of formula e that nearly wasn't going to be much of a season yes i mean be- before you get going though i think formula e the teams, the drivers, and everybody involved at Berlin need a massive pat on the back and congratulations for making this work. happen at all. Because mm-hmm. I think they've pulled a blinder because they have used the constraints really well to test new ideas and to experiment with things, but still made what I felt from the bits I've seen compelling motorsport as well. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, still made a, a full full white race series. Yeah, you know, um, and I, I was about to make a joke that it was you know twenty nineteen twenty twenty, the Berlin season. <laughs> Does that sound like a, a Len Dayton movie? Isn't it? Is it Berlin? It's game set. It's Berlin set. Berlin match. It's one of the ones with game set and match. Anyway, the the season has finished, and it finished with Antonio da Costa uh, winning on the third last race. Uh, yep. At the end of the, the sort of second session in 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 Berlin, he'd won for DS for DS Digita. He scored a whopping one hundred and fifty eight points over the course of the season, which is getting on for twice what number two Doffel van Doorn, uh, who races for Mercedes Benz EQ uh, Formula E team, uh, on eighty seven points, and then one point behind him uh, was Jean Eric Vell, uh, also yeah. of DS Digita. Uh, which of course means that the SDG won the the um, the driver the the team. Yeah, they'd won that in the same race that um, what's his name had won his championship. De Costa. Yes. But uh, you just mentioned Mercedes there. This is their debut mm. season, mm-hmm. and they got Van Dorn to second. Okay, by yeah. one point, but he was second, and he won his first ever Formula E in the last race, and they came home mm-hmm. first and second in that last race. So they, yeah. I, th- I think. Uh, and the article in from the race, which again is really well written, all these articles about Formula E from the race are very well written. Talk about mm-hmm. how Mercedes seem to have had quite a conservative set of aims for the season, and they're they're speculating as we like to do once the season is finished. And motorsport is particularly good at speculating, but they are saying, mm, is that a hint of what's to come from Mercedes next season? You know, is this going to be another race series? They completely dominate. And I'm not sure that they will next season, but who knows? You you say that, but even here, you know, um, Nissan Edams had uh, drivers fourth and fifth. So what, mm. Sebastian Buemi and uh, Nolva Roland. Uh, as well, because so, he won his first race on the Wednesday. Yes, he did, and yeah, he'd, um, he'd had a pretty decent season, considering there was the mess at Santiago, and he mm-hmm. admits that put him back mentally, that he didn't have confidence for a long while. But since since coming back, except for the last race, which wasn't a great one for him, he had to retire. He's done really well in that. So suddenly. It looks like it's not all plain sailing for DS to Cheetah that raced to Cheetah, because you didn't mention that, so mm-hmm. we have to mention at least no, once. No, yes, that's true, Josh. Goodness me. <laughs> Legally obliged. <laughs> um, but uh, I think it's gonna, it sets up a really interesting season next season with people getting themselves... Um, um, uh, what's his name's going to Jaguar? Uh, Sam Bird is going to Jaguar. 
Um, mm-hmm. Philip Massa looks like he's on Porsche. his way out. Yeah, Verline's in Porsche. So ooh, there's there's lots of manoeuvring going on now. The season's closed and people are moving moving teams. I think it'd be really really interesting where there's going to be several up the front, not just mm. the usual suspects of from to Cheetah. Exactly. So I mean, even the, the drivers' champion, uh, the the team championships. Pardon me. Uh, it was Diaz to Cheetah were first 244 points. Nissan Edams was second with 167 points. So, you know, there's still a fair gap to make up there. But with uh, 147, so not too far behind, was Mercedes-Benz in at third in the championship. I could go through the rest, but it's not very interesting. Uh, Rocket Venturi were last. Struggled. Mahindra really second struggled. last. They, they did not. And Mahindra did. And Porsche were eighth as well. So I'm, I'm sure they won't. They'll be... Um, I mean, again, debut season. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Right, WRC. Uh, and whilst it's another few weeks before we start the WRC again, again on a revised calendar and new locations because of it, it looks... I keep expecting Estonia to be next week, to be honest. Every oh, week I, I think Estonia's next week because there's so much talk about it. Yeah, there's so much. Oh, we're testing for Estonia. We're testing for Estonia. So you go, oh, right, so it's Thursday then. No, 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 not this Thursday. Many Thursdays away. <laughs> but, September Thursday. Yeah, but the news is that Rally Japan is expected to be cancelled and is going to be replaced by, uh, how do you pronounce it, Ypres? Ypres. Ypres. in Belgium. Sorry. Okay, because... Uh, my pronunciation ability is... First World War? Yes, but... Uh, Battles of Ypres and stuff. Yeah. yeah, I know of that, but I've never heard it pronounced. I've only ever read it in books, so... Ah, okay. Yes, <laughs> yes it's that challenge us podcasters have that, um, that, that the, the print journalists don't have. Yeah, Japan's expected to be cancelled because, obviously, they had to postpone the Olympics and also on the back of the Formula One being cancelled from there. It was. It, this is not unexpected news. There was one other news story which broke this evening, uh, which is probably okay. worth mentioning, and that's that the funding for Rally GB that was put aside for this year is being rolled over to next year. Oh, that's good. So hopefully it'll be back in next year. And there's a story on on Dirtfish about that. I'll just drag it so it's into the appropriate slot. But yeah, I only saw that at about at about half past six, seven o'clock tonight. So cool. Right, can you take us through the lunchtime read? The lunchtime read is a monster, and if you have if you have the Dead Tree edition of Autocar, it does take up about six to eight pages with illustration, etc., etc., sidebars and all sorts of stuff. Uh, but it's all about how to have the best drive of your life, and the majority of it is by Andrew Frankel uh, explaining that you know it, it it's it's about the road and the car and the right road and the right car, and that's not necessarily the cars and the roads that you would expect. And the things that you should do to make sure that before you go out and and you do, you know, to go on an enjoyable drive, there are certain things that you need to be aware of. And just, you know, even stuff like just making sure that the car is all right and your tires are good and your pressures are good and that kind of stuff. There's enough oil in it, these kind of things. And just style of driving and that kind of thing. And the second part of it goes into to some of the, the folk from Autocar and talking about just some of the best drives they've ever had and cars and roads and best situation and all these kind of things and there's, there's like there's yeah and it's it's really interesting you know there's there's croppers and matt Pryor and, and and matt saunders and stuff are all are all in there so so it's a it's a long run but it's it's a goodie yeah so, it is 
It is a really good one. Well done, Autocar, on that one, and Mr. Frankel in particular. Right, mm. I am going to take us to our list of the week, which is Top Gear's Top 9, which we've referred to a few times. Uh, and this one is titled, Everything's Better with a Spotlights Edition. So I think we can guess what's happening. I've got to, I've got to admit, everything here is pretty awesome without the spotlights, let alone I, with the spotlights. I mean, there's no... There's no yeah. duffers in this at all. I would happily have... If somebody came up to me and said, you can have what, you can have this car and it's any of those on that list, I would not be sad. I no. would not sit there and go, no. and oh, I wish it was this not. other one. I wish it was this other one. No, not at all. All of these... Superb. So there's uh, there's nine vehicles to pick from. Have you got one that you particularly like, though, or that? <sighs> Can you name one then? Not not one you prefer, but just name one. <laughs> uh, I think an inspired addition to this that I wouldn't have thought of is the Ueno Clinic McLaren F1 GTR in Le Mans spec with additional driving lamps mounted up on the nose, which I'd never noticed before. Um, from from uh, Le Mans mm-hmm. in 1995. There you go. How's about that one? That's excellent. That's excellent. Good. Good choice, that. Uh, I'm going to plump for the Mazda RX-7 Group B. Yeah, I mean, it's a Mazda RX-7. It's cool anyway. Yeah. There are many more for you to go through, everybody. Mm-hmm. So click on the link in the show note and just enjoy. Just enjoy. And then go and look at your own car and go, hmm. Now, do I need them to be triangular or do I need them just to be across the top of the bonnet? How do I need to do this? <laughs> across the top of the bonnet. <laughs> and a couple on the roof if you can don't can't get away with it. Yeah. Yes. Go the full Tom Wookie Ford. <laughs> yeah, well, there's no need for that. That's a bit much, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, light bars the same same strength as the sun. <laughs> hey, come on. Are you going to tell me I haven't done that before? <laughs> There was the time you complained 15 minutes later that you still had lines in front of your eyes. Yes. Yes, that was yes. bright. Yeah. <laughs> was bright. And I was I was in a hotel away from that. <laughs> yeah, you're on the like, third floor of the hotel, third floor of the hotel at the window, and all I did was flash the lights, and that was enough. <laughs> right, take us to the end, finally. Come on. The end, finally. This one's to warm the hearts of animal lovers everywhere is that a stray dog in brazil kept turning up at a hyundai garage they fed him they looked after him and they ended up taking him in and adopting him yeah he got his own little badge as an employee and he became adopted by the the hyundai dealership yes he's now been named tucson prime because Mm -hmm. it is in brazil the hyundai prime uh, dealerships and oh dear uh there's there's a few puns in there that i'm not going to repeat but you read through the article uh, they're quite it's bored panda guys so you know it, this is this is serious journalism in action here <laughs> but but it's at the stage where it's at the stage where where people you know customers of the dealership just pop by to to bring him shoes and things and just say hi to the dog yes it's <laughs> fabulous i love it good on them yeah, yeah it's nice and he seems like a happy thing so yeah there we go what matters <laughs> <laughs> uh parish notes this week let's try and be vaguely vaguely grown up uh you zoom zoomed uh, zoom zoomed as usual yes link is in the show notes everybody that was out yesterday i forgot to plug my laptop into the hardwired thing so i'm my so whilst my downstream is great my upload speed's awful so you couldn't hear me for a little while 
my apologies. And there are special edition coming out this Friday. It'll probably be out later on Friday. It will it will be later on Friday because it's not being recorded until later on Friday. So it's very much a case of record it um and then publish it. So um so yes, that will be out because that ties in with the launch of a thing. Uh and I've got another couple of those in the pipeline being mm-hmm. organized at the minute. We've just got to kind of work out where we've done the sharing of calendars, but there's quite a few people need to be involved. So cool. Uh we need to say congratulations. We do. We do to Connor Tuomi. Yes. He has got the Lotus through an MOT. Yeah. On his birthday. Happy yes. birthday, mate. Happy birthday, Connor. <laughs> um so yes, which is which is awesome. If you've been following following Connor on, on Twitter, you'll you'll have been following along his little video updates. I, I really, really hope he's he's kept a copy of them all. And he'll yes. stick them all together at some point because it it's like the he's the influencer we, we, we deserve. He he's the influencer we need, not the one we deserve, I think. Yes. Absolutely. Shows but it shows once again that very real and going into detail on a subject doesn't necessarily make it boring or something to be ignored. That perhaps some media tends to forget or think is not a thing. But you look at you look at the engage. If we're going to be all talking media, look at the engagement he got, and people have loved watching it. People have got invested in it and everything. And to see his happy face today was just brilliant. I, I said influencer there, and I meant YouTuber, by the way, <laughs> or both. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's worse people to be influenced by, I guess. Anyway, that brings us to the end of this week's show. So don't forget, folks, that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget about our Patreon and our affiliate links, uh, all of which are available at motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you personally, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, it's Twitter again, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. Uh, as I said, we'll be back soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring. <laughs>